does a bunny do? He's I gonna did. jump around, kill people, eat them, then move along. It's Homie, so simple. <laughs> most most bunnies I've ever heard of don't hop around and kill people. I'm just telling you. It's a weak ass bunnies. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> There, at the crossroads, the Pathfinder and his companions all found their gaze set on some distant mountains. It seemed to be shrouded in a pall of mystery. There was some dark cloud set on that part of the land, and they couldn't discern exactly what it was they were seeing, but they knew they were very uncertain of what lay ahead between them and those dark mountains. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I am your host, Phoenix, and I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome back once again, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, let's welcome back Half Tilt. How's it going, folks? And... Also, welcome back, Faisal. Greetings. Hey, everybody. Yes, and I'm seeing in chat that the Streamlabs chatbot is indeed not showing. So apologies. I will get it rolling shortly. It's, uh, it's on its way. But as we're rolling this thing out, <laughs> typical format, got to give a shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com, the community curated website for all things Ashes of Creation. Also a shout out to all of the supporters here on Twitch, which are the Imperial Flames. Thank you for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week. Um, friends, we've got news today. A little bit of a comes with a heavy heart scenario, but we'll definitely talk about that soon. Um, if you have not caught up with the last podcast or the most recent Ashes talk, which I will share right here, we've got one live over on the Ashes over on the Ashes HQ YouTube channel on Open World PvP. It's piggybacking off of some of our discussion from the last podcast. So. If you actually go over there and check it out, you'll see some people are engaging in conversations. We are piggybacking off of the griefing discussion. But there were some pretty interesting discussion points that were shared there, and I'm actually going to utilize one of those for our uh, show discussion today because I thought that it was actually a pretty interesting point. Um, so we'll use that to kind of get things started in a little bit and um, also kind of segue into some things that uh, I know Half Tilt has had um, some discussion points that you know we were wanting to talk about, and I had some other ones that I also had related to that, um, as well as some of the things that are going on in the community. Um, so... Um, also, if you do go check out that Ashes HQ, uh, Ashes Talk, make sure that you check out the intro video on the YouTube channel. Um, there you can leave a comment to any new Ashes fan members that sort of join the community. Give them a good hello. Um, let them know what they're kind of walking into, something positive if you'd like. Lightbringer style. Um, yes, yes. And, uh, oh, I guess let's catch up with the cast, okay? Let's catch up with the cast a little bit. Let's keep it lighthearted. Gentlemen, what have you been up to since last time? Anything of note, aside from what we're going to talk about? I mean, not much, honestly. <laughs> just kind of doing my work thing. Um, you know, definitely um, chomping at the bit to talk about the topics today. But yeah, uh, yeah nothing, nothing nothing crazy this week. Just listening to the community and their reaction on the the most recent news. 
Yes. Um, but other than that, no. Yes, yes. And uh, gentlemen, what about the rest of you? Uh, pretty much similar, similar. Just looking at the community from afar. Uh, try, trying really? to, to understand what's happening. But uh, it's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the community from afar, you wouldn't by chance uh, be happening or happen to be holding a weapon in hand, would you? I mean, I mean. <laughs> oh, if anybody's kind of wondering what we're giggling about, this is where I go. This is why it's important to be here for the live show, because you just do not get the full scope uh, and context of the discussion if you're not here, which is uh, why it's important to be here. Because right now, if you were here, uh, if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see it. But um, if you're listening, you're just not going to be able to see this. There was a emote that popped up right next to Faisal. It's almost embracing his head the way I'm looking at it. The ears are sort of flopped over his head right now. Oh, they were. Honestly, yeah. honestly, I look like I looked at the small, smaller version of this. Yeah. I genuinely thought my head was was a part. Uh, Did of you? <laughs> you actually thought it. Well, was I'm not head. gonna lie. <laughs> he no, thought it was I a thought it was a propeller. A propeller? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be some Mario style shit though, wouldn't it? It'd be like having a pro- your bunny ears sort of propelling you to like go hover over the the landscape, drop in with your with your little bunny hatchet, go murder bunny. Yes, yes. If you're on Discord.gg forward slash some more, if you're over there in our community, you'll notice that that emote for Faisal went live today. Shout out to Alfina. Also posted a few other ones. Um and yeah, there we go. That's that's the um that's the thing. So anytime he has a murder bunny moment, I might pop that up just a frame of reference to note that it's happened. Um yeah. Anyway, so oh, are we getting an echo? Are y'all getting an echo on stream? Just making sure. I'm not hearing that on this end. Not on this end. But is it affecting my voice too, chat? Okay, good. Just making sure. Sometimes, sometimes Twitch gets a little, little wonky with the, uh, with the audio and stuff. So if you hear that, just like refresh, um, the 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 browser, or whatever, and usually that tends to fix it. But yeah, with the with that being said, why don't we just dig in and talk about the thing that's on probably most of our minds? And I'm going to go ahead and pop it up right here. This is a bit of a hard one. So, uh, Del Del Ice is in a, in the community. He was uh, he messaged and sort of dropped this earlier this week. I guess he follows uh, Michael Bacon uh, on um, what's that called on LinkedIn, and uh, saw that there was a pop for Michael Bacon leaving as a senior environment artist. He's over now doing that over at uh, Amazon Game Studios. It looks like so. That's that's the community news. That's that's harsh. Uh, we we were we talking last week actually about um, Lieutenant Toast leaving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sarah left. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's tough to see that. It genuinely is because well, it's he's been work. He's been essentially when you look at the world, like he's sort of been like your pillar in that regard. Right now we had Jeff, who was Jeffrey Bard was doing, you know, league game design stuff. So you have a lot of these like, you know, very, very big people in the community, very big people, part of the studios, uh, very strong pillars in the community, so to speak, that are they're they're going off on another path now. And and I want to say I do I did find 
um, something that was shared. And I can't remember where the heck I saw this at. Maybe it was on Reddit. Someone had shared it. Uh, and it basically is the um, a, a post on Art Station from Michael Bacon uh, sharing sort of his, his fond farewell. And I'm probably going to read through this. Um, for those of you that, because I'll be honest, I didn't get to read it all. And, um, it, it's very, it's pretty, pretty, pretty lengthy, but definitely no more lengthy than some of the, you know, articles or things I've read through before. Um, but I think it's important to read this because not everybody that, you know, checks this podcast goes over to Reddit. They don't go to the discord. They don't go to the forums. They may not even be on our our Discord, right? Or the Ashes Discord. So a lot of people do rely on this podcast to essentially be the source of their information to keep up with Ashes. Um, and I, I didn't realize this, but it's, you know, it's kind of a humbling thing, but I wouldn't be doing them a solid if I didn't, you know, sort of make sure that this information is shared there. Um, so I am going to go on ahead and I'm going to read through this, right? So if this is not, you know, new to you, um, you can, yes, and thank you for linking it in chat. You can read along if you're here with us. If you're listening, I'm going to read. This is from Michael Bacon himself. He said, hi, guys and gals of the Ashes of Creation Discord community. I just wanted to jump on here and say thank you for almost six years of support and love you have all shown me while I was working at Intrepid Studios. I'm still overwhelmed, humbled, and completely blown away that you hold me in a place in your hearts after all this time. Saying goodbye is never easy, and out of all the projects, companies I have worked on and for, I have never come close to having witnessed a community as warm and friendly and as cool as all of you all are. From hanging out with you here on Discord or having the honor to have met some of you at PAX shows, you've all been just wonderful, and it's been my honor to have been part of this community. As for me departing this project, it's hard, but I just want to say a couple things. One, though I have appreciated the love and support, and I'm flattered that you hold my work in such high regard, I really do. You guys are just the best. No project of this magnitude is defined by one person. I've always mentioned and maintained every time someone has credited me for the quality and of the aesthetics of the environments in Ashes of Creation, the reality is a whole team really is responsible for it, and the environment team at Intrepid consists of some really amazing talent. What you've seen over the last five-plus years is a collection of talented folks that have come together to provide the, the quality of those visuals, and though I do or did have a hand in steering, contributing, and collaborating to that effort, it really is a team effort and will continue on to be bigger and better as the game moves on towards completion. The art of styling has a lot to do with Ryan Richmond, our lead concept artist, who is a brilliant visionary and has defined so much of the look of the game. We have an art council that consists of Ryan, the two Chris, the two Chris's, Atkins and Myers, Jim and our amazing VFX lead, as well as Steven, of course, who all share a voice in all aspects of the art in the game. Uh, Tristan has been a huge part of very, every landscape you've ever seen in the game. He's a powerhouse and has been integral in most of the world-building efforts. This will continue moving forward. All the 3D environment artists on the team are so, so good. Adam, Harold, Brandon, and Hal, to name a few. We did a complete sweep of the environment props for the Imperian, Kalar, and Dunia races, ranging from camp level up to village stage this last year. 
like over 400 plus props or so, and they all look so very good and really starting to define the aesthetic of those races. Just a crazy amount of work that went well down over the last year. All the foliage and rock work for the tropics biome and other biome enhancements for Alpha One. Am I or sorry, Mia was the one that knocked it out of the park. Devin contributed a significant effort to the terrain creation for Alpha One, lighting, atmospherics, etc. Brian Gans did an incredible job with most of our tech work, waters, rivers, etc. Again, it's really all a team effort. He said, my influence will remain, but will be embellished on and made better over time. Intrepid is constantly evaluating and reevaluating to make all aspects of the game better. And this will continue until vision, Steven's vision is complete. But even then, the vision isn't entirely Steven's. It will be a sum of all its parts, which include all the people who have worked on it, shaped it, and influenced it. I have no doubt the end product will be magnificent. Matt Broom left as character lead, and the character art mounts in the game have never looked better. This is due in part to Chris Atkins taking the reins, embellishing on Matt's foundation, and taking it forward past him with the help and fantastic work of his awesome character team. Jinsi is just a phenomenal character artist. She's done such tremendous work on the project since her arrival a couple years ago. It's both inspiring and scary how good she is. Many other of our insanely good character artists have, has, sorry, artists, his contributions are uh, so, so good. It might've been a bit of a typo there. Uh, the environment team will grab the ball and move it forward from here where I left it. And that much I can guarantee it will deliver a world for you that it will exceed your already high expectations. So two on his bullet points. I feel it was unfortunate my departure was kind of summed up to just money, though. There is an aspect to that which is kind of true. The decision was not an easy one, not that, not that cut and dry, and there were many variables involved. Making an MMO is a tremendously tall order. As a lead, the amount of work and planning and keeping everything working properly is a lot. You spend time... He said, you spend time after hours and on the weekend fretting about keeping everyone on the team functioning, problems that need to be solved for the week, month to come, etc. Worrying about things out of your control and ways you can solve them and staying ahead of the ball to head off these things before they become issues. Think of myself as having a proactive mindset and as a problem solver, and I'm good at this, but nonetheless, it's taxing on your mental health and over time, your soul. Some of it I don't enjoy. It just comes with the territory. A lot of nights you go to bed with all the stuff in your head and wake up the next morning still trying to sort it out in your head. Maybe some people can compartmentalize it and keep it separated from home life, but I never could. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm more obsessive in that way. Uh, which he said is not very healthy. He said 2021 was an incredibly taxing year for him and his family. The pandemic raging Alpha One and my mother-in-law who died from cancer going into the new year, who was deeply entrenched in our family's lives. Her loss, grieving while taking care of her estate and the aftermath, which was a monumental effort, as well as other factors that drug out throughout the entirety of Alpha One's production schedule, took a heavy toll on myself, both physically and mentally. There was some other internal works at play that I need not get into, which really compounded things. But at the end of the day, I decided coming into 2022 after some long thought 
tears, and roller coaster ride of emotion that there were some things I needed to change for my family, my health, and my psyche that had fallen out of parallel with what I was sitting at with Intrepid. It was the toughest decision in my career that I ever had to make. AOC is part of my baby as well as the other contributors to the project, and letting it go is very, very hard, excruciatingly hard, but I decided I needed a hard reset. In case of AGS, yes, they're drew or threw a good chunk of change at me, not going to lie there. It's a good place to be, um, AGS being Amazon Game Studios. Uh, he said, it's a good place to be, no lead gig, and fully remote, which actually played one of the biggest parts of my decision, so no more two-plus hours of traffic every day. And I don't want to have the project in my head 24-7, which gets me back in line with having more balanced work-life ratio. Another factor, we're almost there, friends listening, is that I have my own ideas, my own projects, and my own objectives, and I'm not getting any younger. I have Intrepid almost, sorry, I gave Intrepid almost six years of my life, which I'm so proud of, working alongside great, amazing people, which I'll always hold dear and cherish, but I feel I've said what I wanted to say there within the confines of someone else's vision, and though the great vision that it is, now I have more time to focus on my own voice again. So in closing, I want to thank Intrepid for everything, and I want to Thank you all for being the absolute best community MMORPG could ever dream of having. You all are the best. I will continue to follow the project and pop up from time to time to spend time with you, though you may find me under the moniker G-O-D-D, Ghost of Dirk Diggler, LOL. Mia gave me that title at launch yesterday, and I don't plan on being a stranger. If you'll have me, love and love you all so much and take care. There it is. So that is from the words of Michael Bacon. Didn't paraphrase pretty much every single word uh, minus a bit here and there just to um, keep it on point. But that is uh, the long and short of it. I think the most important there were there were there were several very important points. And I can't stress enough the importance of the work life balance. Right. You could come into a project with a pretty decent work life balance. And then due to the project, your job, life circumstances, something that. Many of us have many of us have had to experience over the course of the pandemic and plenty of other things, right? Time in itself can create these on their own, right? That are completely independent from the studio or your work, your work with the studio or any of that balance. So he hit on a lot of very important points, right? Like there could be a day when this podcast might have to come to an end or I might have to pass the reins off to somebody else. Would that mean that I didn't care about it? I don't think so. It's possible, right? I've learned myself over the past year that I got to rebound some things too. And I think that a lot of people do, like, especially in the light of the pandemic, clearly had a lot of things that hit him as a result of that. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds like it's in good hands from my perspective. And, and I think that he really hit, let's discuss who could take over for Sam. I saw that in chat. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the long and short of it is this, okay, is that he stressed a very important point that I think is probably the, the heart of this, right? When people see that someone leaves a studio, right, no matter how impact, like how prominent of a pillar, how important we, uh, how high, or high of a regard we hold them in, they are not the sum of the parts. And the parts are all of the other people who are part of a team. Right. So he hit on that. And I think it was super important because we've got to remember when Jeff left, when Toast left, 
And now that he's leaving, he was there five plus years. Jeff was there five years. Sarah was there three mm-hmm. years. I mean, you're talking years of a person's life, right? Life, the one universal constant is change, friends. That's important in gaming life, the world, physics, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. But what do you, what are your guys' thoughts, gentlemen? And to those of you who are listening or watching, you know. One thing I would maybe want to reiterate from that post that, um, that we, he did address and, and what I think is important that anyone that has the opinion that this was solely driven by like monetary compensation is he did say the money component of this was the least contributing factor. He was already pretty well compensated at intrepid. Right. So, I mean, I, there's three things that I would say I take away from this article. And even it was things that I was thinking about in my head before I even read this is number one, like you said, the only constant is change in any industry. You're always Mm going to have turnover. Um, the second piece that actually like really resonated with me as well um because i had a similar situation the year prior to when he had his personal situation is i was juggling a quite like crazy work schedule and my mom passed away it's actually going to be two years next month remember that right so i'm like i'm totally like in his headspace right now um in terms of you know, knowing what the right time is to make a change and knowing what it's like to try to balance all of that and mm-hmm. keep the fires burning. And then the last thing that I think we all knew, but you have a lot of, and I would say like m- opinions, misinformation out there that like, you know, his moving on is going to severely impact Intrepid. And and we know there's going to be some effect. There's going to be some transition but ultimately, mm-hmm. as a good leader, you lead well by having a strong team. Absolutely. And he built a strong team, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had a number of people from Intrepid that have been pillars that have left. I mean, you named a few at the start, mm-hmm. but Matt Broom was mentioned in the article. Yep. Peter Pallone, right? Um, you know, you Jeff Bard, obviously, and Bacon, right? And this industry is, you know, very... I would say the turnover likelihood is very high because it is a very high stress environment, Absolutely. right? It's it's one of the highest stress environments. And, a, and we've heard a lot of things in the news lately, right? And recently too, like further on than just lately is the amount of issues and working conditions that developers have to go under. Now, I'm not going to say that Intrepid is like that, right? At all, but it's still like heavy, you know, heavy is the hat that a, or the crown that a king wears, right? And when you're a leader, you're responsible for everything that goes on and you have to be the one thinking three steps ahead. So mm-hmm. honestly, faced with a similar situation, I don't expect I would make a different choice than Bacon did. If I was having a challenge with work-life balance and there wasn't, I would say an end in sight, right? And I could maybe get a little bump in salary too for taking something that would give me more you know, a more balanced work-life ratio, I would be all for it. So, I mean, yeah. uh, one thing that was said in chat that I just want to maybe close on is Bacon is a class act. Right. The fact that he took the time to write this very 
detailed post about each of the team members that have contributed to the project to not only, you know, be humble and say, look, guys, I'm not a team of one. I have all these great people that work, you know, at Intrepid that are still there that are, you know, more than up for the job. I mean, that to me is his classic. He, he's a class act there. So that's my opinion. I mean, I know there's been a lot of, there was a lot of drama, I would say, in the Discord about this. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, people like naysaying and all of that. And like, at the end of the day, this is just a natural part of how things work. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm saddened that he's leaving, but I'm also extremely happy that he's making the right choices for himself. Because I would rather he be a part of the community like broader community than yeah. work himself like to death and honestly be mentally messed up after that. And, mm. and I, I totally get his headspace. So Absolutely. yeah, I mean, definitely wish him the best. What about you gentlemen? Either one of you got some, some additional thoughts? Not really. I mean, I, I <laughs> you, you guys summed it up very, oh, yeah. very well. Mm-hmm. I, I resonate with it. If that's why I stopped doing content creation. Yep. It's work-life balance, you know, between work and busy family life. And, you know, you got to make sacrifices somewhere to give the time necessary to the proper things and properly invest in them. So that's huge. That mental health aspect is so vitally important. Right. And he's left his mark. You know, he like David said, he built that team. Yeah. And, and he mentioned it in the article as well. It, it's not just him that produces this work. It's a culmination effort the the project in the end will be a sum of its of all its parts and that's something that you know i feel the further you get away from the community the further removed you are from this project as a as a viewer as a bystander the more you're going to be like oh hey this prominent name just left that's detrimental but that's really not the case he's he's helped shape things up and set this up for success and moving forward they're going to just expand and grow on that. Right. Like that, that's really what's going to happen. And, and right. I, I echo that uh, so much, you know, I, the commute thing. Absolutely. Again, Two I work hours, from home man. now, Jeez. man. I, I used to, I used to drive two plus hours each way to oh, work every day. God, dude. Just, and it, it taxed me to like mentally to the point where oh, I actually told my boss, like, I'm going to cut my working days down to six hours to help account for that travel time. Yeah. If you want me to keep traveling to these far places to go and work on job sites. A lot. And, and they agreed like after some back and forth, they agreed that it was fair to do that. As long as like some of it will come out of my time. Some of it will come out of theirs. Right. Cause it's just so much. If you put four hours of travel time or two hours of travel time on top of your eight to 10 hour working day, and you have a family at home and you yeah. have to eat and sleep, prep meals, deal with children. Like, there's no time left to de-stress and, men- and as he said, compartmentalize everything that's going on. You just don't have the time to do that. Right. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things is taking that time to be able to actually compartmentalize and be able to like, okay, I can mentally close off this stuff from my job today and come back to it tomorrow. When I mean, you don't have time to do that and you can't do it while you're driving. <laughs> Some people, maybe they try, but you know, they, they usually end up as a statistic somewhere, somehow so you know you got to do what's right and kudos to him for making that hard decision to do what is best for his health and he's left everything in a great state right best of luck absolutely 
And I'm excited to see what his personal stuff is. Like he's got his own personal projects to work on. Uh, yeah, I'm really curious. Like about that, that that's too. really cool too. As an artist, absolutely. I that's something I could see him wanting to expand on. So yeah, exactly. I I, I, yeah. I work to live. I don't live to work. So <laughs> Yeah, that's my philosophy too. Yeah, I mean this, you know, what about you, Faisal? I mean, they summed it up pretty, pretty well. Um, but I mean, from from the first time Bacon ever arrived, he wasn't the type to gloat about anything. No, he wasn't. Like you, you wouldn't see. Yeah, I did that in any mm. of his art pieces to begin with. And the fact that, like, he was so well received in the community. Like this article, he didn't need to write, but he wrote it from his own. Yeah, I agree. Explain it all. Like, that in itself shows you how, like, Intrepid Studios community is really great yeah. in, in handling, handling its own people. The community has its own reputation, which is, I assume, it's great. <laughs> people mm. might say, uh, say otherwise. <laughs> um, um, but, I mean, everybody has his own reasons. In, yeah. in working or leaving or or joining another studio right and it's and everybody's got their own uh internal problems that, like the majority of people don't know and everybody's uh, got a journey man yeah yeah everybody got his own journey yeah. the fact that he gave us five plus years in development in a company i see that as a lot because usually employees only stay for like two years yeah, or maybe a three couple years. yeah and and then they move on or like another opportunity around. like i i could i could make an assumption where a lot of the intrepid staff got other opportunities but they could refused or they didn't receive any especially in someone's that he's a senior position or or a lead that's that's like it's a big gig, man. It's a big gig. It's a lot exactly. of work. It's a lot of responsibility, too. Yeah. 100%. I mean, he's talking and, stress level throughout that, too, about, like, how he's got to reduce the stress level. I mean, that was everywhere, man. And you got to be healthy, man. It's understandable. I mean, most most of the people who are really passionate about this project. Yeah. And see, seeing a lot of, a lot of the community uh, giving that positive energy to them, they would, like, they, they, like, I, I'm not 100% sure about the work ethic, but if I see, at least personally, positive energy in, in the project that I'm working on, I would literally go back and think about that project even more, <laughs> if that makes sense. Makes Just sense, because yeah. I want to perfect it. But I don't know. I mean, you know, if you go back and look at a lot of the old developer live streams, every time, like, you know, People are bringing up art. He's always going back and talking about how they got a great team. You know what I mean? He's always been humble in that way. I actually, I, I regret a little bit after all this time, not ever actually just reaching out to him and asking him to come on. But, you know, it's one of those situations. You always kind of have a sense of, you know, time. You got some time or whatever. Now you don't, man. You never know. And, and I, and I got to tell you too, man, like it, the past, you know, the, the past couple of years. So I've been, how long have we been doing this podcast? So four years coming on now, I think four, four years or whatever, roughly. Yeah, for sure. 
Like so, at least what 2017, right? It, or I think the show started 20 early 2018, like as a podcast, but the podcast actually existed in a loose format in multiple episodes prior to that that were either live streamed or cut as videos. Um, but they weren't called that. It was like I remember one was like Guild Do's and Don'ts was one of them that was posted. Um, and that was like talking about, you know, it was basically the podcast that was existed before. So it went into 2017. Um, I want to say it was like mid to late 2017. I started doing little roundtable topics, but some of them aren't out there. You can't find them because this was back in the days of just doing live streams on Twitch and getting people in chat and then just talking about it. And it was kind of before my YouTube game really started to actually exist. Back then, I just posted random videos that were funny, and I'd put them over there. And it was actually before the D Live days too, because we went to D Live for a while. But you know, we started doing that when actually the podcast. When you go back and you actually view the podcast beginning date, that's not actually the beginning date. The beginning date actually is like six months, maybe six to eight months before that. But those episodes just don't exist because I never recorded them. They were just live streamed and they did, they got deleted off Twitch. So they don't exist anymore. It feels bad, man. Sad face. But they were the they were the guinea pigs. You know, they probably didn't look nearly as good as the beginning episodes. And even the beginning mm-hmm. episodes to me, I go back and I'm like, you know, I've refined the craft of the podcast a lot in these in the days, man, since then. So those were better than the ones before it. <laughs> so it was more like just people chatting and talking and it was very, very unorganized and didn't have a whole lot of flow. Although sometimes I kind of question whether this does either, but it's fine. It's fine. We just talk about things, but I got to tell y'all it's, it's food for thought. And I think it's important for everybody who listens to this show, watches it there. There was a podcast called from the ashes a long time ago. It, it's been out now. It stopped around a hundred episodes People thought it was going to go the distance. It looked like it would. It didn't because life happens, right? That's the long and short of it. Um, we're here, but can I guarantee we'll always be here? I can guarantee you as long as I'm alive, we'll be here in some form <laughs> or another. And it'll definitely continue come hell or high water because I'm a man of my word, right? But there are some things that sometimes you have to change. And it could mean that one day maybe I have to step away and someone else is helping to run it. Or they're leading it because long and short of it is a lot of things had to change this year for me too. Virtue doesn't exist anymore as a guild. I had to disband the guild because it was too much because there were too many moving pieces. I had to change the way content was being done. I had to lower how many days I stream a week because honestly, I wasn't even resting enough. I had to do it. I'm still online four days a week. I still do two podcasts. But I'm working on my books. I've been 15 years working on a world of my own, and I can't kind of keep letting it sit on the back burner because you got one life, right? So when when Bacon talked about a lot of those things, it resonates for me. I got projects of my own too. I got music to to finish putting out there. I got God knows how many books it's going to take me to get this shit done. Ten maybe at least I estimate. Easy. First one I'm working on right now. It's what my, it's where my my Saturdays go, right? But people are wondering, like, am I got, not going to do a guild for Ashes anymore? It's not the case. There's a guild. It'll be announced soon. But it's very different because its structure reduces a lot of the stress for me. Has to be done differently, right? So when he talked about 
life circumstances, passions of his own, health, and all that. Look, this is my message to all of you. You get one life. I appreciate everybody who's here for the podcast. I appreciate everybody who's here for the live streams, right? But I don't expect them to be there forever because life got to come first. And universal constant is change. And while we all wield the hammer here, the torch, so to speak, and we carry the flame, some of us may one day have to dip because life and some might return, you know? Even Daedalus had a break for a while because life happens, man. Stuff's got to... Oh, there it is. <laughs> there is another way to make a baby some work. Just saying. Uh, I don't know what that is exactly, but... So... Well, then let's have a quick chat about the birds and the bees. And we'll yeah, no, we're not going to do that. that works. <laughs> but the thing <laughs> is, is like... There's a lot of positives to look forward to right now. There are. I'm in a great place in my life, and I'm happy with where I'm at. I'm happy with where this community's at. I'm happy with where the game Ashes of Creation is at, right? So some things change. Sometimes people step away, but it's not a bad thing. There's a lot of people there that are carrying the torch, and there will be, right? Because there's enough people to help keep that vision moving forward, and that is the important takeaway, my friends. So community sentiment overall, you see some people talking maybe negatively, naysayers or whatever, you know, look at the bigger picture, take a step back, take a look at it. The game's doing pretty damn good. Like, like Bacon said, Alpha One, while there was a lot of work, there was a lot that came, came to the front and center at that point in time. There's a lot that has remained front and center right we go and look over the years with ashes they have made leaps and bounds no doubt about it and i've i do a lot of mmorpg coverage on my my youtube channel right and on the lfm podcast the samorg youtube different one than the ashes hq one the samorg one and the lfm show we talk about all the game development man and i talk about all the time over there about how when you look at the mmorpg genre when we look at the games that are there that have been there for years, which ones are the rising stars? It ain't Camelot Unchained, homies, because that one's probably going to be DOA soon. It isn't New World, right? The fast track to failure, in my opinion. Sorry, it's my opinion. I can have it, right? It isn't Chronicles of Valyria. <coughs> scam starter, anybody, in my opinion, it's a damn scam starter. <laughs> Valar off the off the edge. Defend the night. Love those guys. Have no idea where the game is right now. Right? Saga of Leucemia. No, wait. It's actually Embers Adrift. Wait, there's some weird shit going on there. There's tons of MMORPGs that were in development or being crowdfunded around the same time as Ashes of Creation. And there's only a couple MMOs that have been going this period of time that even look promising. And the only ones I can say that are in development that I believe are promising, number one for me, Ashes of Creation and Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. It looks solid. It's been consistent. It's been maintaining its steady flow of information, engagement with the community, mostly with their backers. It's a little, you know, it's a different ballpark, but right? When you look at an MMORPG, Elden Ring question mark, that's that's an open world uh RPG. That's more, that's not an MMORPG, right? It's promising, but it's not an MMORPG. So Ashes is like literally to me, like the the last great hope. And they're doing so many things that other games just aren't doing that to me are just freaking disgusting. 
Don't even get me started. I'll save that for Wednesday. By the way, we're doing an Ashes Trivia Night Wednesday again, just to see how many of y'all fell at trivia. But if you don't, you can go over to Ashes HQ. You can do your research. You can educate yourself. And we'll be catching up on Wednesday. Speaking of community, with our last and coming full circle back to restarted. When we talked about that open world PvP discussion, there's a lot of layers to that, right? Large scale PvP is a layer. But I'm going to talk about something that Zach over on uh, our YouTube posted. He said, the bounty hunter system, his is his thoughts on open world PvP, right? Keep in mind, we talked about griefing last year. It's definitely a component of it, but... The bounty hunter system making players okay with open world PvP is going to strangely come down to how good the game is at telling you about it, right? He says, so like every time you die twice to the same PC player character, you get a hint pop up for posting bounties. Corruption being explained well before you get it will also be important. Put a flag on that. He said, I look forward to how they decide to deal with these factors. I strongly suggest that they have PvP in zones adjacent to spawns be discouraged by epic NPCs. Put a flag on that one. It seems like most effective deterrent I've seen implemented short of just shutting off short sort of just shutting it off there. And he said shutting off PvP might feel a bit much. Talking about these in vacuum feels like it's akin to talking about crafting legendary items without the context of what you have to do to get the materials to do so, which is a common when people say open world PvP is bad. Any thoughts? There were a few points there I thought were pretty important though. I mean, one thing that stands out to me, too, is, well, like, well, a couple of things, right? Yeah. One was the notification piece. I mean, I think that I would say I don't want to be beaten over the head with pop-ups, like, yeah. at every point. Like, if I decide to do that, maybe it's one pop-up and then something, like, is is highlighted for a bit so you know where to go and then leave it at that. Um, I would not... Um, I would not say that I would agree with, and again, this is coming from somebody that has not ever been a serious PVPer, right? So obviously there's a lot of folks out there that have some opinions, strong opinions sure. that we should really curtail the PVP aspect of this because it's not their jam, right? If we did that, it would not be ashes of creation. Right. So personally, I think having like NPCs there to discourage PVP is a flat out mistake. Um, I think the idea of having meaningful conflict, and if you're fighting over a spawn and there's a legitimate reason for people to have conflict, don't add an element that discourages that because then it won't happen. Then you won't have that interaction. And there goes one of the pillars burned to the ground. So that's you know one other thing that I would say too. Um, and I think that's just as much of a de deterrent as it would be shutting off pvp at all right having safe zones other than maybe in a town right in an established town with guards and etc that would be i would be okay with because that's where people can tend to you know take advantage and and overly harass if it's in a town situation but out in the open world man you know yolo yolo you <laughs> only live once man Oh, yeah. gentlemen. And of course, chat, people on YouTube, important discussion point. Please do chime in, gentlemen. More blood for the blood god. <laughs> blood for the blood god, he says. That was a moment. There it is. New murder bunnies coming up. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, if you ever see something like that in game, you might be going to be a little, little scared. What's that, Sim? The little emote that's on our screen right now, right next to Faisal. I mean, I mean, I think, I think, I, I'm, I'm kind of confused with the, with, with this, like, what, what you said, Sim. So, if, mm. if I die from a character multiple times, I'm able to put a bounty on the person who killed me. I think he's talking about a hint pop-up that someone could place a bounty, like if you get killed. So he's basically saying, like, uh, this is sort of like ease of explanation. So he's really talking about the game explaining, like, oh, you just died to a player. You could put a bounty on him if you wanted to, sort of like that. Oh, so basically a tip system. Yep. Essentially. Exactly. A tip, um, yeah. I mean, they could add it to either in the loading screen or the death screen. I'm, I'm cool with that. Oh, yeah. Like getting killed by somebody in the open world? Consider placing a like, bounty. Yeah. Aside from this dude. Oh, a tip. Like under it. Right. You can, you can do a bounty or something. Yeah. That's small. Um, Side note. But if it's a pop-up yeah. that every time yeah. I have to open and close? Nah. Yeah, that would annoy the crap out of me. Right. Absolutely. I like it on the loading screen. It's a really uninvasive way of presenting mm -hmm. the information and and from my perspective just to just to share a little bit i've always loved like world of warcraft like you know back in the day that was where the tips would be it would be like you know it, sometimes it was hilarious because they were like the most obvious things and you were just like but there's someone out there who doesn't know them but for to those of us who know it's kind of like <laughs> you're just kind of giggling about it all cheesy like but I think that's really um, I'm not a fan of having a lot of pop ups and stuff like that. It, it just kills me whenever there's a lot of stuff popping up on the screen or too many windows have to be open. I'm a minimalist. Like, even if I've got add ons, like I don't want them all over my damn screen. I, I don't I'm not the, one of those people that likes to work out of the small box area in the center to see everything and then have a clusterfuck of shit on the screen just cloud like crowding everything else i'm like how do you people do this people do and i'm like that sucks i would hate i would hate that even when i did in-game progression rating i didn't need that stuff i'm like it's a little much i digress um yeah any any thought any other thoughts on that because i've got a couple like you know piggybacks I, I don't know about the epic npcs either um I mean, I think that there's a mentor system for a reason. I think that a mentor system could be something that could be utilized to help sort of, you know, curtail some of these like issues with like low level players starting to play. Remember, they talked about how like the reason to go back into and, you know, those origin zones, for example, like in making it meaningful for like the veteran players and using a mentor system to sort of help reinforce upon that. I think I would appreciate it being something more like that than an epic npc um although i will say i'm a big fan of like city guards and stuff like running out of ways after somebody who maybe isn't supposed to be there but again is that gonna be something we're gonna expect to see in ashes probably not um but you know you never know might see them if people are fighting in the city what do you think do you think that would actually be yay or nay Should i thought NPCs that was respond? mentioned I don't I thought, remember. I remember reading something like that on the wiki a while ago. That if you or or Stephen yeah. might have mentioned it in an interview, if yeah. you attack somebody within city limits, that you can do that. You have yeah. the freedom to do so, but some city guards right. might be might around fight. and not take too kindly to that. And, and I think that's the kind of 
um, Epic NPC Zach was talking about. It's not around like monster spawns or anything. It's about it's around graveyards to prevent yes. graveyard camping. Right. So you're not just being spawn killed right at the graveyard as soon as you revive and being griefed that way. And if it's strictly within that vicinity that you, you know, you have a bit of area where you can still be killed there, but then you, before, by the time you respawn next, that person's probably getting chased away by some epic guards. Well, okay, fair enough. I could take that. And if you've got a group, a raid that you're out there trying to hold down somebody so that you could focus on killing a world boss and, and like as a guild, you kind of split up your parties, you kill those guards around a spawn and then you can spawn yeah, get people there and hold them there. I, I think, think that's, that's a cool strategy to have in the game. game. But, but if it just is there to prevent the one-off being griefed, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. As long as, you know, their leash, I think, has to be really, really short. Yeah. Something like that. Like, it's, yeah. you're, you're there to be protected in that bubble. Right. And, and then you can, <laughs> when you're ready, you can move away from there. But they're, <laughs> if, there's, if you can see the person sitting 100 yards out, well, take your chances. They might catch you. Mm -hmm. one other thing that i would say too i mean I, again i'm not a fan of like having the npcs be the police there i mean i think you could still have it be on the players and just have some sort of timed immunity right to prevent and discourage that kind of thing i'm i mean as a tactic right i i, I you know agree that some some think it's a viable strategy to spawn camp i just I just don't think. I think it's a it's a lack of strategy and it's a desperate strategy in order to do that. Yeah. I would prefer just to have some targeted immunity. I mean, it still means you have to make some strategic decisions, right? You can't go in and you know again run out by yourself and expect to survive once that immunity drops off. You're still going to need to group together to be able to do it. It's just with having even an NPC, you're still giving an opportunity for players to get griefed in a spawn camping situation, right? I mean, I—that's my personal opinion. Obviously, you know that it—you know—some think it's a viable strategy. I just—I don't know. I just—I'm not a fan of that. That takes the fun out of the game if you have that type of situation. There's a certain point at which you want to have a challenge and not just it be a slaughter. That's funny. So. When when I was like reading over what he what he he mentioned too, I also think that when we talk about being griefed to being killed in the open world, this is like one one of the elements of like open world PvP. I think is very important is the time to kill. Right, we we kind of go back to that again. The time to kill for me is super super important because if I know that there's a rock paper scissor thing, right. But I don't think that the I don't think that it should be a situation where someone can die so super fast. Right. And I think the power creep component and time to kill or something that for me, when it comes to combat and specifically in PvP, I think is very important. We know that stun locking is not going to be a thing. So I'm hoping that as a result of that, that the time to kill will be a little bit better. Um, but, I, you know, I kind of wonder, too, because like if if someone could just go corrupt and they could kill someone real fast, then it's not going to be as easy. I think for them to kind of get caught as they're being, you know, full murder bunny. <laughs> and I, I think it's important that if the corruption system exists and bounty hunting exists, that like the time to kill should be significant so that if someone's engaging in combat, that like 
you know, that they can engage in combat and they can sort of be engaged in it long enough to where, you know, people can sort of rally around and do things. I think that element can be important. Um, but when we talk about uh, that corruption element, oh, I just completely lost my thoughts. Annoying. Anyway, yeah, power creep is a thing. And I think that it's, it's important that a time to kill be be realistic. Um, I'm no, I've never been a fan of like the time to kill being super super crazy long um yeah like, like one shotting yeah just yeah not two minutes where your your cooldowns have a chance to all come off of cooldowns so you can continue to rotate through them and extend the battle forever you should be able to kill somebody within a round of cooldowns and if they have time to respawn either that person is just way too strong for you or there's something else mechanically wrong I think maybe a better solution to the graveyard issue is giving the dead player the option where of like two or three graveyards in the vicinity that they wish to respawn at. And, and then you could just choose to respawn at a graveyard somewhere else that might be further away from where you need to be, but it might be safe for you at the very least. I mean, you've already died and lost a bunch of your crap. So at that point, like... Um, like Lazuk kind of said in chat, if you're just spawning and getting killed and spawning and getting killed, it's like, why not just spawn me above an open pit of spikes where I just keep falling and dying as soon as I spawn? Because that's essentially what it's going to feel like. And if you're forced to log out and either play a different character or go and do something else for the night, then is that really a game that you want to play? That's a like, fair point. Yeah. You know, I understand the need of open world PvP. I fully support it and plan to engage in it. But at some point, you also have to consider the fact that it can become very disruptive to people, and they're just going to be like, fuck this, I'm out. If I'm just sitting against spawn camp all night, I'm, I'm done. And I'll come back when I feel like it again, when I've calmed down. But if you give me the option to spawn somewhere else, even if it's at a cost, a reasonable cost, then I might be able to enjoyably continue on my day. Mm. And then, uh, like, with regards to your time to kill, I totally agree, right? It shouldn't it shouldn't be extremely short and it shouldn't be extremely long. So I'm, you know, I'm okay with having, like, somewhere in the middle. And as far, as far as power creep, I mean, I think there should be, like, an incremental gain for getting more powerful gear. But it shouldn't be exponentially higher, right? Where it gets to a situation where you're either unkillable... Uh, you're unkillable and you can one to two shot people. I think that's something that I think the team is, you know, taking the time to test, but really to, you know, focus on that being a true test. And obviously this is still, you know, balanced based on a group. So one, we shouldn't be thinking about this one V one. And then the other thing I think that was mentioned here was like how long, a, you know, should a corrupt player last? Um, I think that should be also something um, that has a scale as well. So maybe your like your first PK, you know, gives you some like default, but then if you're continuing to do it, that gets exponentially worse for you. Now it might be whatever that reward is. I guess resources or whatever you're you know you're farming from other players. Um, you know, I I would assume there would be kind of a requisite counterbalance to the amount of corruption you're getting. 
but the fact is, is I think that corruption should ramp up quickly. Um, because that, in my opinion, right, is a deterrence for maybe more non-meaningful PvP, like if you're targeting somebody that legitimately is just so so big of a power gap from you that it's, it's no contest, there's just no skill whatsoever. I think that's definitely um, something where, uh, you know, I would say exponential, but maybe a progressively higher cost with each player life you take and the other implications, right? Um, you know, bounty hunting and so on. Yeah, I think the bounty hunter system is going to be pretty influential when it comes to actually managing a lot of these types of issues. I I don't know, man. It was pretty interesting because some people were pretty they thought that the idea of like fighting over resources, you know, as like a, a really good reason for PVP within a zone of influence. You know, there was like some stuff people hadn't thought about. So it was like good to see like the conversation sparking different ideas. Yeah. Good to see that the echo is leaving. I, th I think it was Twitch by the way. So yeah, sorry about the technical difficulties today. Sometimes, uh, yeah, things happen and get weird. Um, I don't know any, any other thoughts on this though? I wish I could remember the daggum thought I had because it was a good point and I've lost it. Oh, well. I don't remember, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the bounty hunter system relied solely on somebody posting a bounty. I thought it was just anybody who's hit corruption shows up as a mark on um, your map. Right, if yeah. If you have that v vision activated because right. the bounty hunter can turn that vision on and off and of course this is all the theory and subject to testing as we move into a2 but um my understanding is that it was kind of an automated process anyway and that being kind of the bigger deterring factor uh, of the bounty hunter system in my opinion is that when you go corrupt you're just automatically flagged as such and not it's like oh well maybe that person's a noob and doesn't know how to share a bounty above mm -hmm. me so anybody who's not seeing my red name running through the screen isn't uh gonna know who i am or what i've been up to i mean i think it would be cool to have like some sort of stat so like if somebody does show up you can say okay how many players have they killed like how long have they been corrupt whatever like whatever relevant things again to further incentivize that meaningful interaction, right? Because at some point, somebody's going to say, hey, I need to, you know, I need to walk the light. I need to go um, bring the light to this corrupt guy. I want to see where he is. I want to know what I'm up against, right? I think that helps. Um, again, encourage people to say, hey, okay, he's killed five players, man. He's He's got to get taken out, you know? So that, that would be something that I think would be good. Like, the more information you can get, the better, in my opinion. Um, another thing I think the bounty needs to increase depends on uh, the corrupt person. Mm -hmm. So if if you have if you had a light corruption level bounty, but if if he was like super high end killer mode and had like a hundred kills on his belt and stuff, uh, the bounty should be higher. Um, yeah. I, I I agree with that absolutely. <laughs> the, the more dangerous you are, the higher the price on your head. 
So, yeah, one of the things I was going to say when you talk about bulletin boards and taverns. So remember, if we're ever sitting here and having a discussion and anybody here is like anybody in chat or even us are like, we're not really sure. We've got commands in chat to visit, visit Ashes HQ pages with the information on it. And the beautiful thing is, is if we're not sure, the wiki's great, but the wiki's also like got tons of information on a page, like tons and tons and tons and tons and links to different places. We just got it short, sweet, and to the point. And... Bolton boards are available within nodes or freehold taverns, right? And if you read on down, talk about bounty hunter maps. So bounty hunter maps are a necessary asset to bounty hunters and ashes of creation. Players with a high enough corruption level score will be visible on the world and mini maps. These players will have markers posted on the map by an NPC from military node at stage four. It will only be granted to players who have the bounty uh, hunter title. Ooh, buddy. Beautiful. So there you go. I'm really happy. All the work put into this thing, right? And it's just such a damn user-friendly place to go if you're not sure without having to sort through the bazillions of lines that you might otherwise have to deal with on a wiki. So anyway, I love it. It's freaking freaking amazing. It, it's come, it, it works so good when we're doing these podcasts. If, if I'm ever like, I don't know, man, I need the info quick. I can just go there on the fly. It's Freaking awesome. So let's talk about some of the other elements of this equation, okay? When we're talking about open world PvP, and we talked about griefing, right? So we also talked about the difference between what? Like node sieges, castle sieges, caravan fights. Keep it in mind, there's a lot of events in the world. Is it, is it technically open world PvP? Yes, right? But there's a lot of these things you actually have to sign up for, right? declarations of war things of that nature that have to be crafted have to be created things there's like right there's check boxes that have to be met open world pvp in the sense of just deciding to attack another player this is your this is a, a bit of a different scenario right there's no signing up as a, an attacker defender for anything it's literally yo you're on my herbs homie that's my herb i don't want you there i'm gonna go full murder bunny on you and take you out so you're not there and i can hop along loot what i want be a happy good time all right hop 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 along with the butch butcher knife that's that's basil's probably not a butcher knife but we'll see what happens i mean i mean no civil weapon i choose exactly right <laughs> he's like he, you notice he didn't deny that he'd be hopping along murdering people he only didn't he only I mean, stated i don't know about the weapon what else though. does a bunny do he's Maybe. gonna jump around kill people eat them then move along it's Homie, so most, <laughs> most bunnies i've ever heard of don't hop around and kill people i'm just telling you so weak ass bunnies i ain't gonna lie <laughs> 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 he's actually it's not even going to use a conventional weapon because you know pause and all you'll have eye laser beams that transmog you into a carrot and he'll just run around nibbling on you <laughs> oh man dude so think of some of the other things though think about these larger scales like half tell you brought up a point right i'm talking about the auxiliary effects of large scale battles right you mentioned things like town events large group gatherings right now there's a good point because you could do large group gathering out in the open world. I mean, this is a great example of you could literally have people going, we have just decided to go full open world PVP, consensual PVP. There are going to be some epic battles that are going to form, right? Back in the day on a PVP server in World of Warcraft, 
I held a mound of dirt outside of Goldshire because I could. And then more of my people, like, you know, my guildies came and joined in, and then more people from the Alliance came and joined in. And then you had this crazy, I wasn't killing NPCs. I was just like, I'm flagged. I'm in their zone. And I'm like, I like that mound of dirt. I'm going to just chill there till someone attacks me because someone eventually will when you're flagged. They came over and attacked me and I killed them. And then another one, I killed them and another one, I killed them. And then I was just sitting on my mound of dirt. King of the hill, man. King of the, well, yeah, hill. I mean, it was definitely not a hill, but I'll call it a hill because it sounds grander than if I tell a story, it was like, you know, Butcher Hill or whatever. People are like, oh, damn, Butcher Hill. You know what I mean? But I was on, I was on Butcher, Butcher Hill killing people and I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't attacking NPCs. I wasn't attacking their NPCs or anything. I was chilling right there, but you could see me off the road through the trees that I was, I was a, you know, Paladin Lightbringer just chilling there. And if they approached my hill, or attacked me, I killed him. And I killed, and I killed, and I killed, and I, I'm, I was pretty good. I'm not going to do my arm. I was pretty good. And so I was not easy to kill. And so they kept swarming in, and it was lots, unfortunately, it was a lot of lower-level characters because they didn't really, I don't know why they did it. They just saw someone red to kill it, I guess. Some of them poor bastards probably thought I was, like, an animal or a named mob because they probably were new because it's Goldshire, let's be real. And they were charging in, and I was killing them and killing them and killing them. And then more of them and groups of them. And then I saw named, and so I was like, okay, I called in help for my guildies. So some guildies start trickling in. And I'm like, no, 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 don't go anywhere. Just sit on, sit on the dirt right here and only kill them if they approach us. That's all we're doing. We're not going anywhere. We're just, and then we kept, you know how you could do the thing where you throw down your flags? We kept throwing down the guild flag. And it, kept, it was like, this is our dirt, right? It's like, we're only going to stay on the dirt. And, you know, but the thing, it started, right? And now it became our guild against all of the Alliance players who started to take us on. And there were so many people. We actually did pretty good because, Yeah. No, 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 no. This isn't sim recollection. This is, this is, this is no embellishment. This is a fact, right? Eventually we got swarmed and we had to go, but it was like a good half hour. But the thing is, this was a fun open world PVP experience, had nothing to do with griefing, had nothing to do with like castle sieges or caravans or any of those focused, goal-oriented things. It was literally just a guy on dirt having fun, killing stuff that approached him, and people rallying around the cause, right? Just because people didn't have to engage in it, right? They didn't have to. They could be a part of it, not be a part of it. They come and go as they please, and they could be a part of an open-world PvP battle. And those are some of the best, in my opinion, PvP situations. They just happen because people decide they're going to hold a mound of dirt, they're going to hold a dock or whatever, and then epic battles happen. Now, granted, couldn't drop any of your shit in World of Warcraft, so there's a whole different set of circumstances you got to be careful for, but... Yeah, think of some of these effects you talked about, Haftel. What were some ideas and examples you had related to large-scale PvP uh, battles? So the other day, uh, this was a couple weeks ago now, uh, when we were talking here just about sieges and whatnot, the idea popped in my head. is like, you're going to have a lot of people coming in, especially on a node siege or even castle sieges, coming in from 
remote towns, remote nodes, and gathering up to get ready for a big battle. Whether you're offense or defense, there's going to be a gathering hub where people are going to come to. And, you know, I, I remember playing a game as a kid, one of my favorite RPGs to this day, <laughs> Star Star Ocean, the second story. It was a great, great game. And there was a big Colosseum battle that you got to take place in a little ways into the game where people from all around, and it was a single player, so it was all NPCs, but they're all coming into this town and it brought all kinds of trade and items and things that you didn't see, different cultures from different areas of the games that you didn't see unless you traveled to those areas. So it got me thinking, like, what are we going to see in Ashes when that happens? Are you going to see people caravanning in goods to try and sell in player stalls? Are we going to see things like, you know, the open world PvP Sim of the Hill battles? Are we going to see, you know, some other organized guild events taking place? Maybe you might, we might see racing, fishing derbies, like, if it's a military node, we might see some special arena showdown events going on and just kind of these auxiliary effects of an inherent large gathering of people that aren't necessarily just citizens of that node, but citizens of either vassal nodes from around or even just remote ones that are coming in and be like, hey, I just want to come in and fight in a siege battle because it sounds like fun and that's just what I want to do. Like, what are they going to bring? Are you going to see a lot of that coming in? And of course, it all being open world PvP, are these people, these guilds trying to caravan in some goods from their area of the world Mm. with thinking, I've got a captured opportunity here to try and sell some of these wares to a larger audience than they normally would. Are those caravans going to be getting attacked randomly along the way? So that's kind of where my mind was going is how much of these kind of more player driven events and social aspects are we going to see in the game as a result of signing up for a siege that has a five day or a month long countdown in the case of castle sieges. Good point. What do you guys Yeah. Think? I mean, uh, one thing that you mentioned that was actually reminded me of something Steven said um, around his interview was the importance of a cooldown period. For these major things like one of the you know biggest issues that i saw like outside of the bugs in new world was the fact that you were constantly in a state of like hyper focus because of the mm. like almost like nauseatingly frequent amount of sieges that happen between the townships mm. that it just it it took it from, hey, this is a really cool experience to I don't want to do this again today or I don't want to do it like five times in a row today because that's essentially how it worked is you would might depending on what how much of the land, you know, your faction had, you could reasonably be spending like multiple hours in a seat situation on a daily basis, right? Um, and that creates, a, in my opinion, right, it creates a burnout scenario very quickly. So I do like the idea of having that cooldown period and having an opportunity or at least something in the UI that helps us organize mm-hmm. these types of events, right? Uh, and 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 giving us an opportunity to do that. Because not only does that ultimately is fun, right? It builds community too. It builds identity with a node you're attacking or defending. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the major like you know, ideas behind the game is like 
community building, player agency, right? Meaningful conflict, right. right? What has more meaning than getting a group of friends together and holding that mound of dirt, right? Absolutely. I mean, because that mound of dirt could be a village or it could yeah. be a metropolis. Could Depends be. on, you know, how much how much mound you got to protect or attack. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think this, yeah, this is definitely one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is those community type events. And, and hopefully there's some UI that helps make organizing those events easier, not like, you know, a teleport situation or something like group finder, but at least having a way to be able to, as a guild leader, as an alliance, you know, set of alliance leaders or what have you, as a mayor, be able to set this up so that people can know what's going on in and around the node before a siege or maybe a world boss attack or a monster coin scenario or what have you. Yeah, monster coin scenarios are going to be pretty interesting too because it's going to be interesting to see exactly just how grand like those Legion coins. Like, ooh. People were trying to tell me that that's pay to win. I'm like, do you understand how they actually work? Define pay to win here. I'm like, yo, <laughs> man, people just look. I, I feel like oftentimes what I find with Ashes is people just look for an opportunity to try to frame something as pay to win, right? Like all the time, it's like, I have to pay in order to get to this. It's like, I mean, something as simple as like, uh, this class was released with uh, an expansion, and if you can't access it, that's pay to win because you got to pay for the content to get it. I'm like, really? That's pay to win to you. The whole damn game just became pay to win then because you got to pay for gosh bless. <laughs> the the description model is pay to win. Change my mind. There you go. There's another example of chat. I'm just like, oh, I feel like sometimes, man, I'm going to save this for the LFM show on Thursday. Actually, I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I got a whole rant on this one. We're going to chill and wait because that's something I'm, yeah, I've been talking about lately. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to say this what? because uh, mm, okay. they reminded me of Braveheart oh. when he said he wanted to protect the, the piece of dirt. Yeah. That's <laughs> 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 the whole speech of freedom. They, okay. they might take a lens, but they will never oh, take <laughs> I mean, I'm all about like, you know, no pay to win and stuff like that. But I mean, people are trying really hard, really. It seems like, you know, it's almost like the, the hope that there's actually going to be a good game. People are like, no, man, it's got to be bogus. I like homie, you've been burned. Something fierce. Something fierce. These woke uh, gamers going to get got. Oh, I wasn't going to say it. Do you believe it? I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> this is for my other channel because I say some shit. And I'm trying to keep it away from this. So let's just not. This is where I, I rant on the other places for a reason. I'm going to be a good. I'm going to be good. Whew. Let's talk about this discussion point then, friends. How about it? How about technology? Remember last week when we talked about those cosmetics? We were like, that looks sort of steampunk mech-esque. You know, the freehold thing looked like it was clearly like a... Uh, uh, what was the race? It was the Valoon, right? Mm -hmm. But it totally looked like it was Imperium to me in some regards. I was like, really? But okay. Yeah. That was a trip. But here's the thing. They get a potion launcher, launchers, right? Like, now they don't want tech, right? Guns, for example, rifles, things like that they talked about weren't going to be a part of the game, wasn't part of the plan. 
Sanctus was not a world of magic. So when we look at, we don't know about the potion launchers making their way into the game. Just going to be clear. That was a, that was specifically an APOC thing. Although they did talk about something, some mechanism similar to that, maybe for naval content, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Right. Been a while, but I'm pretty sure I got, usually got the information there on tap. Although sometimes, yeah, for ships we've talked about. So here's the question. Cannons is another good discussion point. So if tech if, if a certain level of tech isn't going to be in Ashes of Creation, right? Where do we think the line is on, like, what is... You know, because, like, siege equipment's there. Like, how, how basic do we keep it? And where do we draw the line on, like, here's too far? Otherwise, we're sort of crossing over this threshold of what we said shouldn't be there. Yeah, I just don't want muskets. No, no gunpowder sort of thing? Is that what we're talking mm -hmm. about? No, no muskets. No, not He's like a specifically muskets. <laughs> like, I would see a ranger holding this and pew, I'm no. like, no. I no? don't, no. don't okay. want to see pew pew guns. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan. Although I love a boomstick in an MMO, I'm not a fan of it. And It's a wow reference for anybody. Who knows. <laughs> I, mean, I, would, I would agree. <laughs> boomstick. boomstick. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not a, a fan of like anything like that. I mean, obviously, you're still going to have bows and arrows. You could potentially have crossbows, right, as well. Um, you have you know, Ballista, you... which is just a giant crossbow. Exactly. So, so the tech is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think if you get it to like a point at like nothing really... I don't know. I mean, I do like the idea of having some sort of mechanical stuff because that, to me makes sense to right. your point sim about there being sanctus because it you had to kind of figure out how to do stuff yes when you didn't have magic anymore right exactly. and yeah what's considered like magic if you like look at you know any tv show that has races of or even like you know planets with completely like different mm -hmm. cultures in the sense of like they're level of development right something that's technology in one culture could be magic in another i mean i just i think in my opinion like mechanisms make sense to a point right not so complex that you're like you know firing off a gun but things like where you have maybe like that freehold example was a good one because yeah. it's like having movement there it might not be powered by anything that's really mechanical. It might be magical, which again, I'm okay with, right? Because it, it seems to me like it fits. I haven't really found anything like even like the potion launcher um, when it was in APOC, I didn't necessarily think of that as immersion breaking, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, I could easily like, if I didn't have a mechanism that could throw like volatile potions, I could still have like a holy hand grenade, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I could still mix something alchemically together, right, yeah. and throw it at somebody, yeah. and watch them go boom. Yeah, exactly. I, I yeah. think the potion launcher was supposed to be a little bit different. Like, it's not supposed to be as epoch intended, because what I've understood from the potion launcher, it's supposed to be for, like a support weapon where you're able to use it for healing, uh, poison enemies, all those things, and or area Oh, effects. that would be nice. Uh, I, well, I thought its primary function was to kill myself, because that's pretty much <laughs> what happened whenever I got it. 
<laughs> oh man how many i wonder how many times if there was a kill count on how many times i killed myself with that damn thing you know it's like I, this i have to repeat to myself this is not a close quarter weapon do not oh, use it man. in close quarters dude i use that a lot and that would get some damn good kills right but that one that that one out of ten times that it bounces back at you <laughs> you're stings, like oh, man damn. yes freaking stings i was just like oh that hurts that that's the weapon where the caption ends with small margin of error may happen (laughs) (laughs) it's like i was like you know i would use that in in certain situations and it was just like oh that's so gratifying and then it was you know when that one out of ten times was that where i goofed up i get bold close quarters and that's never when i should use it every time i use that thing within like I don't know, like 20 steps of a person, I'd almost always completely miss them or just bounce back off of something and kill myself. When I used it at range, which was like nine out of 10 of the times, it was a dream come true, super satisfying. And I, I the problem was is I'd just get too comfortable with it. And then I'd move in and I'd be like, ha, ha, watch me. I'm going to shoot him right in the face with this. Now I'm going to hit the barrel behind him and then it's going to bounce back and it's going to kill me as I'm charging him. Usually I'd leap into the shit too, which was the worst, you know, because there's like that moment where you see the explosion happening and you have a slow motion of you are charging in. You're like, (laughs) that's the end. That's it right there. Feels bad, but it was fun, man. I miss APOC. I'd play the shit out of it if it was available. I hope that they do something like that again. I've got, I missed that boat and I would love to play it. Even if it comes out as its own separate entity after the MMORPG is out and it it becomes a secondary project, we're like, hey, let's just continue the IP with this game because we've already got the ideas. I I hope when I I genuinely, and I know some people, I don't, I'm not a BR fan. I, I burned out on that genre so hard, but, but the Ashes BR was actually fun. That would so be like an off day, like perfect for like a community day sort of thing. If you could get enough people in there, I would totally I am so down with APOC being its own thing with three game modes to it where you can do the horde mode. FYI, that's basically save the world. If you played Fortnite, that's what we're thinking here, because that's kind of it. Minus the base building, right? You just got spawns of like enemies coming in. And sometimes you get bigger bosses. I mean, this is what they described. It makes sense. Unreal Engine, right? Epic Games is helping you do... It's not too difficult. BR and then Castle Sieges, which basically, if they could deliver on Castle Sieges, then you take the best part of what Crowfall was going to be and give it to people in a lobby form, which another other MMO we forgot to mention earlier, which is like Rip the Dream. Again, just saying... Rising champion, the last great hope. Here we are. Some days I feel really great. This is where I put my money in my like investment of energy. You know, trust your gut, friends. Don't confuse it with yeah. uh you know other things because we can easily confuse it with other things, but yeah. So mm. yes. Oh, I can't hear you, dude. Am I okay, okay now? You go, you're good, you're good. Yes. Oh, interesting. Um, so 
like like you guys said, there, there was time on Sanctus, thousands of years, but they didn't start off at a primitive level on Sanctus. No. They they already had a lot yes. of things. They had just gotten used to doing things with magic instead Absolutely. of you know here. You telling me you have a machine to breathe for me, and here I am using my own lungs like a sucker. You know, like <laughs> so they got used to a world with magic. Now, I would expect a certain level of mechanical engineering to have happened in thousands of years on a planet without magic. I think I would, as far as in the world of Vera, maybe draw the line at mechanically propelled anything. So something that is self-driven, whether it's a steam engine or a kinetic engine or, you know, gunpowder, I'm cool with that just not existing in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, any sort of, any sort of self-driving machine um, or self-propelled machine, I'm cool with that not being there. Unless, of course, you explain it away with magic or something like that, which is very likely to happen. A siege engine, uh, Potentially something could be that done like that. Mm. Scientific nodes might add on to that a little bit more where we might see um, the airship, for example, between two metropolis scientific nodes. Right. So there is a certain level of mechanical engineering that is going to be present in the world as a result of that. And mm. I'm okay with seeing that in those right conditions. That said, if that tech exists, in in aspect a why can't it exist in aspect b so if it's there for airships on a grand scale why can't it exist in a smaller scale that might be a little bit more regular individually interactive so to me that that's you can't just draw an arbitrary line and say oh well we just don't want this available for the players if it exists in the world right there has to be a bit of region so that airship to me has to be like like in that um that uh, netflix show arcane or whatever where a lot of things are actually magic drip they were trying to pursue that magic mesh with technology kind of thing i'm only a handful of episodes in but that's kind of where i saw it going to see something like that where it's like okay we've got the mechanics we got the gears we can drive a propeller we can drive an airship but it's mechanical force comes from magic that i can get behind that makes it believable and that makes it easier to translate it down into the player level where it's not going to be like okay well i've got uh, i can ride be a goblin engineer and have a motorbike or my own little flying helicopter for my flying mount instead of a dragon that comes with missiles on it because Mm -hmm. you know castle sieges and stuff so to me that's where you draw the line and that makes it believable is it's got a magic source to it to drive this big thing and it's a major feat of engineering that takes a lot of resources to put in place cannot be easily translated down to the individual player yeah and i think that when people are like how come we can't have guns or whatever and ashes basically because it doesn't align with steven's vision that's the main the main thing here is that because it doesn't work in his world right now, you know, I think that that'd be something to really go ahead. Think about it like this. Killing people with a musket is, is no skill, a skill at all, man. <laughs> Where's the skill of that? It's goddamn guns. One shot, one kill. What is this? What is this bullshit? Well, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, if it was one shot, one kill, then I would expect an, uh, an arrow bolt to be able to, do a one shot, one kill. A piercing, yeah. a piercing damage is a piercing damage in that point. 
And to me, the big thing then becomes um, the ballistics of the travel time. Musket has a severe reloading handicap to it. I agree. Like I don't want to. I don't want to see gunpowder in the game. That being said, ship cannons are going to actually fire arcane magic, not mm-hmm. cannonballs per Magitech, se. Attack, man. That's I the mean, next. So segue. why can't that be scaled down into a handheld barrel versus a ship mounted barrel? The only, right. That's the only... that's that's the discrepancy I'm talking about. That uh, to me just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. The only way I would ever accept. A like a fantasy gunpowder is is if I see a TNT blowing up uh, a wall like a siege weapon like the the like the Isengard scene uh, when they were attacking uh, Hell's Deep. I don't want that. That's the only thing I don't want. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. From Fupo and Chad, he was like talking about you know who knows the state of things after the races all went through the gates. Like what works in one on one planet like this do the same this is a thing too like do the same physics apply because when you talk a fantasy world it's easy to go yeah but like but this is the way it works in in our world i'm like yeah but you got to remember something very important right when you create fantasy fiction okay you have choices you can make things work similar to the way the physics in our world work or you can just create up your own magical laws you know what I mean? Like things can exist because the gods will it. Whereas here, the citizens like, of Vera all breathe nitrogen. Oxygen doesn't exist in their world. You cannot have combustion. <laughs> but then you can't have fire. Period. <laughs> then you can't have fire. Period. That's but funny. You could if oh the gosh. essence fire True. dry like works with something else, some other element, right. magical right. flame. Then I'm not exactly unicorn poop or some shit. Unicorn poop. Are you taking it? You're, you're taking <laughs> it beyond the bunny. Work. We're going beyond. That the is bunny. the dumb question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Beyond the bunny, or or as as some in, in our Discord say, behind the music Fazel edition, there's a nice little GIF in chat there. I shared it with you all in our Discord. If you're not aware of what that is, you can check it out. It's a good time. Check it out though, man. Check this out, friends. Um, we got a we got an Ashes live stream coming up this uh, this Friday. Oh shit, are we there already? Yes, we are. We're gonna have it coming up this Friday. So submissions are due by Wednesday the 26th, 11 a.m. Pacific. You want to get questions in, go to the forums. I'm going to link it right here for you in chat. If you want to get your questions I guess we in. can't ask for bacon to be on the stream anymore. Oh, feels bad. Yes, that's... Uh... I wish he got one more in before he left. That would have been cool. We need fire spit from dragons. <laughs> that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Need fire spit from dragons, unicorn poop powered combustion engine. I want to be a unicorn unicorn poop peddler. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'll just keep a stockpile of unicorn shit in my freehold and just try to sell it to people. Like, hey, you you need fuel for your forge? Here you go. The best legendary oh, swords are going to be crafted in a forge fueled by unicorn poop because it only oh, that can me. reach the heat that you need to temper the steel properly. Husbandry, you should see at its finest. <laughs> so, friends, in in our typical format, the submissions might be due on Wednesday, but keep in mind the live stream is going to be 11 a.m. Friday, January 28th, 11 a.m. Pacific. Okay, so that's good. All what 1 p.m. here? I think Central, 2 p.m. Eastern. So. 
be there at B Square. We uh, probably am going to be, I think, on that day. Um, I, I've been kind of hit or miss with with my own schedule. We we do have a tendency to do a post show chat. Um, it's basically the Ashes post show chat that we do, um, where I go live. I collect your questions. Also, I gather all the bullet points, which then go up on Ashes HQ in form of an article. So you all have um, all of the bullet points that were pretty much the 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 biggest points of discussion from the live stream, not just the general highlights, but the details. We're really including the details um, to make sure that you have those there. So if you miss it for whatever reason, usually within 24 hours is when I'll have that posted. No later than Saturday, the 29th, it'll be up live. I'll be sharing it in all the places so you can check them if you need to. Nice clip from Alfina in chat. Fantastic. Talking about unicorn poop. That's going to come out as a short on uh the Ashes HQ YouTube. We do a lot of those, most of which are coming from our podcast, but sometimes we catch uh, some other things. But yes, make sure you get your questions in by Wednesday. Make sure you catch the Ashes Development live stream Friday. Um, we'll be chatting about it. We'll be collecting all your questions, discussion points, reviewing those on our podcast the following Sunday, which is going to be Sunday the 30th. So be there, be square, 5 p.m. Central. Standard time here in the U.S., friends. So, gentlemen, in typical format, why don't you shout out your domains where people can find you when you're not here on this podcast. Dayless. Hi. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at The Ashen Herald, and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. And Half Tilt. You can catch me on Twitter at Half underscore Tilt, or shoot me a message on Discord at Half Tilt Gamer. And Faisal. You guys can find me on Twitch as Fizzle108 and on Twitter as Bagel108. All right. And friends, this might be the end of today's show. End of today's show. Boy, technical issues and language dialogue issues like speak English. Words are hard. I'm telling you, man. It's been (laughs) a busy, it's been a very busy weekend. I'm going to be honest. I accomplished something really big last night, but I was like grinding away for hours and my brain's like not all there. Clearly, I made it work. (laughs) might be the end of today's show words but closing gotta remind everybody whether you're here catching us live whether you listen to it on your drive home whatever or you catch it on youtube remember you are a pathfinder much love to all of you intrepid studios and till next week live your best lives walk in the light have a great night friends we'll see you again real soon take care everyone have a good night folks peace